0: Today, we have a special episode with a woman whose hustle and drive I deeply respect. If you've been listening to me, if you follow me on Instagram, you already know this. Her name is Maileek Teal, and if you don't know her, you should. MyLeek Teal has revolutionized the way women address their curly hair needs. As the founder of Curlbox, an exclusive monthly subscription box full of amazing products, She has garnered partnerships with Procter & Gamble, Carol's Daughter, Walmart, Target, Shea Moisture, and more. Before creating Curlbox, Miley honed her talents for a decade in public relations, working with brands such as the Grammy Awards, American Idol, and Nike, as well as music artists like the late Prince. Now, as the creator of the premier hair sampling box, she has developed a loyal following of savvy women. She's very much like a virtual big sister, dishing out spot on entrepreneurial advice. We all have our thing that Mai taught us, but one thing I learned from her is to intentionally put myself in the places and spaces to meet the people I want to connect with. She once shared on an episode of her own podcast that if you want to meet someone, instead of sending your regular schmegular email trying to quote unquote pick their brain, Why not try to meet them in person? She talked about paying, I forget how much it was, to attend an event and sit at a table with Lisa Price, the creator of Carol's Daughter. So when I saw that she was speaking at a few conferences in my area last year, 2016, I said, I can definitely make my way to these places to introduce myself face to face. And that's what I did. The very first time I met her, it was when I had just launched the podcast. And I told her, I know I can't ask you to be on the podcast right now, but what would make you interested in coming on in the future? And she told me, you know, keep at it, stay consistent. It would be a disservice to you if I just hop on there now, keep doing the work, and later on, I'd be happy to come on. And that stuck with me. So every now and again, I send her an email when a podcast episode resonates with me or an article is relevant. And the last time, the most recent time I emailed her, she actually hit me back and she remembered and said, I know I promised I would come on your podcast, so let's do it soon. So here we are. And this episode felt more like a heart to heart, an opportunity to really connect with a mentor in my head. On today's show, Malik shares what led her to be an entrepreneur, the most surprising part of starting CurlBox, how we as entrepreneurs can push past the need for approval, her thoughts on taking that leap even when you're not ready, plus get ready to hear a special listener edition of Lightning Round, where she answers questions from listeners in the side hustle pro community. But first, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks recently unveiled an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned for exactly the way we work as side hustlers and entrepreneurs. It has the easiest system to track your clients, expenses, and projects. It also has advanced reporting features, including profit and loss reports, sales tax summaries, and even time tracking. I've been using FreshBooks for over five years and especially loving these features now as an entrepreneur. It's user-friendly and it makes it super simple and straightforward to stay organized and get paid in a timely fashion. My favorite features, as you know, are creating and sending professional looking invoices, setting up online payments with just a couple of clicks and being able to see when my client has seen my invoice. So if you want to create and send branded invoices in no time like me, FreshBooks has a special offer for my Side Hustle Pro listeners. You can get a free, unrestricted 30-day trial of FreshBooks. Just head over to FreshBooks.com slash Side Hustle Pro and enter Side Hustle Pro in the how did you hear about us section. Now, let's get into it. So welcome to the show, my leak. Thanks so much for being here.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Now, you are someone who I have followed as a career and businesswoman for some time now. As a matter of fact, I took your advice about if you, you know, if you want to meet someone, go where they're going to be. So you saw me pop up a couple of times (laughs) in person, not stalking you, I promise. But yeah, let's talk about your journey. So many of us know you as the founder and creator of Curlbox. But walk us back especially for those who don't know as much about your story. How did your life experience influence your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Um, you know, I think from the time I was like a very young girl, my mom said that I used to like look at people and look at their things and say, "Mom, what do they do?" You know, I've always been fascinated with the sort of like jobs and careers of people since I was young. My um my mom's aunt and uncle uh, babysat me up until I went to school and they were retired. And I just could not understand, like, how do they have money and they don't work? You know, like (laughs) I understood, I see my parents going to work, that means money. And so they were explaining retirement to me and so on. But I think that, um, I started, I, I started off really wanting to work at just very cool companies and a lot of super cool companies tend to be entrepreneurial. You know, someone Started this. Someone started every company for the most part, you know, um, and I think that I was almost sort of led to entrepreneurship when I moved from at from Los Angeles to Atlanta at the height of the recession and I couldn't find a job. Um, and so that's when you find out sort of like what you're really made of. I think a lot of people don't even realize, like they think they're not entrepreneurial until you have to be. And then you find out like, Holy crap, I could have been doing a ton of things. And so couldn't find a job for like a year. And that is when I just decided, you know what I am, I got to make money. However, I make it, whether I dog walk, babysit, assist someone. And once I started, understanding the idea of limitless income, you know, we get to a job and it's like, okay, we do this job, this is what we get paid, but by sort of becoming a, a company of one who can do many things, you know, I could work, if I needed to do something for a couple of hours from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., I could do it, you know? So it's, I learned in that moment that like, I can make however much I want to make, you know? And that was eight years ago.
0: Wow. So yeah, it was kind of a epiphany for me too in this journey. I feel you. And like, I was unemployed when I left. I graduated uh, with my MBA in 2015 and, you know, no one would hire me. And I was just, I started to freelance and lo and behold, I ended up getting a job and I'm working now. But that little taste just showed me the, and meeting more people showed me that, hey, there's this can actually be done. Right. Right. It can be. And so I'm it was when I was at the Signature CEO Conference that I realized you actually had a whole business before founding Curlbox. So you started your own PR firm. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: So to continue the story of when I moved to Atlanta and couldn't find a job, Kim Zosiak of Real Housewives of Atlanta found me on Care.com. And she asked me to, like, come work with her. And so that was my first hustle in Atlanta was assisting Kim Zolciak from Real Housewives of Atlanta. And as I was working with Kim, I was on the second season of the show. When I left LA, I did not tell people what I was doing or where I was going. So there were a lot of people within my field who were like, where did she go? And then they were like, she's on Real, she's in Atlanta, she's on Real Housewives of Atlanta. And at the time it was like the top rated cable television show, like everybody watched it. So people saw me on there and then people started contacting me and saying, hey, I got this project. Can you do this? You know, so I started getting so many referrals for work that I was like, I should just start a small company to sort of contain this. And that's really what I did is that I started a small company to contain it. I hired a girl on Craigslist (laughs) as like a virtual assistant who still works with me to this day hired a girl on Craigslist, met her at the Starbucks. We've been working together uh, ever since. And that's when I started taking on clients. And through that sort of client work was how I started doing some beauty work. And that's how I started going to like meetups. I didn't even know that these meetups existed, these black hair meetups and I was working on some apps. And so because I was working on the apps, I was like reading the tech trades. And that's when I started hearing about the resurgence of sampling before it ever really like came to the surface. So I was like, oh my God, sampling would be so hot for black women, you know? And so that is when I, while still having my PR agency started working on Curlbox with the young lady who worked with me from Craigslist helping me to sort of transition so that the clients that we had weren't like upset so day and night you know we were working on those things and I would say about two or three months into Curlbox I just closed my other business because I just didn't have the time to do them both.
0: Now a lot of us you know we come up with these ideas all the time like I have a I have this one idea like I'm just like I know this could be big. But Mm -hmm. I also know how much work it will take to get it there, right? Like at least three years of work before I see one dime. So how did you push past that to say, okay, this needs to be started?
1: Well, I felt the same way. I quit Curlbox like three times before I actually started it. You know, it was like I had told my neighbor across the street about it, Felicia, And she used to, I I was over there by myself and this is the South and in the South, people take (laughs) care of you. So I had broken up with a guy and I was living in this new neighborhood by myself. And I think like maybe eight or nine months into living there is when I came up with the idea, told my neighbor across the street, we used to have like margaritas on Sunday. And I'm like, you know, Felicia, I've got this idea. And, Telling her almost made her like my accountability partner because she kept asking me, you know, when are you doing it? When are you doing it? And I was like, you know, so I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. And the reason why I was putting it off was because I was like, this is going to be hard and a lot because, number one, I have no contacts in the beauty industry. Like I had zero. Number two, I had no experience with like packing and shipping. I didn't even know like how much, you know, like, where do you drop stuff off? You know, I had taken a couple things to the post office at at that point, you know? So I was like, I had no idea how to really sort of like, I am not the most Mm -hmm. tech savvy. Um, I'm not tech savvy at all. I'm great on social media, terrible everywhere else. And so I think being so overwhelmed with like, how will I do all of this is what made me quit it so many times. But it was like, it was like this little baby in my stomach, like kicking Like, let me out. And so, when I started it, I started it almost to sort of put it to bed to say that I tried. I was hopeful that it would be something, but I wasn't like, oh my God, this is, you know, I was like, if I was, I was like, this could be crazy. (laughs) But when I started it, I had no idea what that actually meant or what that would feel like or how fast it would take off.
0: So, this was like 2012, at the time I was working at this company called Ideally, similar to Guild, it's like an e-commerce flash sale site where, you know, you get high-end clothes for less. And Mm -hmm. this startup was doing drop shipping and there were times when vendors would short ship, so people would pay and then we'd tell them, oh, sorry, can't ship for you that thing you paid for. Um, And so I remember hearing about Curlbox and thinking like, that's such a good idea, but man, like, shipping and all of that is, and vendors, it's so, so hard. So I have even more admiration for you having had that experience.
1: Yeah. I don't think people really know. And I think like when I first started the business, I was very sensitive online because I had, you know, moments where people really drug me, but I was like, I don't think people know how hard this is. Like, I don't think you know. And at the time, I mean, today I have, let's just say 10 people working for me, but at the time it was just like three of us, you know, and it was just me 100% of the time because the other two people had jobs. And I'm just like, you have no idea how hard it is to do this because it's really two businesses, which is sort of like how we are kind of split up today. Like it's sales and marketing, contacting, you know, working with brands and working with subscribers, our VIPs, and it's fulfillment, which could be its own business on its own. You know what I mean? And so I don't think people know how difficult it is, you know, number one, to encourage brands to want to do this because... The reason why I think it's so popular is that brands have sort of gotten away with without having to sample to black women because we just mm-hmm. buy it, you know. We just buy it no matter what. And the black hair business is is very sort of antiquated, if you will. Like, you know, I was going to people and they're like, what? You know, and it's like it wasn't and it continues to not be easy. It is not an easy thing to do what we are doing everyone on my team, but you know, I bear the most pressure because I am responsible for all of it. And so that's why I'm like, you yeah. have no idea. The of nights that I haven't slept, the stress that I have been under, but you know, it is what it is. It's like, that's what you sign up for, but it is difficult. You know, I think it's why a lot of competitors don't last because it's not mm-hmm. easy. The furthest thing, like I tell people all the time, if I had to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't. And I'm so glad that I was naive <laughs> I heard and dumb. i you say that, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know. Like, had I known all the stuff that came with this, I probably would have been like, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was, yeah.
0: I'm not interested. But you did it. And, you know, this episode, I really want to focus on that mindset that you need, because Mm -hmm. it could be easy if you're just like, hey, do this, do this, do that. But actually, it's like you can lead a man to water, but you can't make him drink. So I think the number one thing that I gain from you and others will gain from you is knowing, okay, how have you pushed past these mental blocks to actually do the idea that you have? So something else we struggle with, myself included, is needing approval from others and unlearning that behavior. We want our family, we Mm. want our friends, everyone to be like bought into our ideas before we go out and do them. Like, did you ever struggle with that? And how did you handle it? You know,
1: I, I, some days I think that like, I was just born with this sort of unshakable Mm -hmm. confidence, you know? And for that, I am extremely grateful because I am just not particularly wrapped up in the thoughts of others, you know what I mean, as they pertain to myself and my thoughts, because, you know, most people don't understand, you know, my mom and I have had sort of some conflict, if you will, because my mom and I are night and day when it comes to taking risks. My mom is not She's like, you get a job, you keep the job. I mean, my mom has probably had her same job for like decades, right? And me, I'm like, if you don't like it anymore or you want to be happier or you want more money or you want something, it is up to you to do something about it. And I recognize that opposition from others is just, number one, it's just lack of understanding, which makes sense, they don't get it. So why would they have anything positive to say? Or how can they be supportive or encouraging when it's not their idea and they don't have a clue? You know, number two, and this is the thing that I, you know, have said to my mom is like, you are looking at this mountain with your legs. <laughs> like my legs can't handle this mountain. Maybe your legs can't, but but I know what I can handle. You know what I mean? And I just think that like, I am just, you know some people like i have a high tolerance for pain i have a high sort of like risk tolerance because i'm not afraid to fail you know i go to a lot of places and people always ask me what's your greatest failure what was your biggest challenge and it's like you know i don't know because i'm not sitting around tallying up failures like i'm not even looking at things as failures i'm like oh my god i now know something that i didn't know yesterday i get excited like oh my god I learned something and that is just my approach to things. And I think that if you are looking for people to validate you, you will be in a world of trouble because what you are doing could be fantastic, but they may not see it, you know? And it's like, they may be the wrong audience, you know? It's like my friends and my family don't purchase for me. They're not my audience. So I really, my mom eventually turned natural because I think she was so fascinated by what I was doing that at, like, she's like, I want to get this. And so now she's natural, but you know, it's like, they're probably your the people who you're looking for validation from probably aren't even your targets.
0: Yeah. And they just might not be there yet mentally. But then when you do it, it's like, Oh, <laughs> oh I knew, I knew you were going to do it. I knew you know, it. That's what <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. knew you could do it. Right. Like, okay. And you know, speaking of failure, So you had an episode where you talked about how failure is just a moment and that we shouldn't put on that failure badge. And let me tell you, that helped me so much. There was a failure that I was holding on to at that point for like two years. And it really. Oh, really? Yeah. It really set the light bulb off in my head of why I realized why I was holding on to it is because I felt like it was a badge and like a testament to my, you know, intelligence and capabilities rather than just a moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, I totally get that. And a lot of people want you to wear that badge. You know what I mean? It's like, I have done some really dumb things. I have attempted some things and not succeeded, but that's okay. You know what I mean? It's like, who gets to go through life being perfect? You know, period. And so that's just really my approach to it is like, I messed up, you know what I mean? Like sometimes people will look at me and I make a mistake and they're like, oh my God, you made a mistake. I'm like, yeah, I made a mistake, just like you are going to make a mistake. It's normal. It's almost like we have to sort of like normalize mistakes because they're going to happen.
0: Right. And speaking of that now, what was the biggest challenge or the most surprising part of starting Curlbox and how did you overcome that?
1: Um, I would say the biggest challenge or surprise I think that on a positive note, because I think sometimes people are expecting something negative, you know, on a positive note, I was really surprised at how much stamina and know-how and everything that I learned just came into play. Like, it was almost like I had spent my 20s preparing for my championship (laughs) game, and all of a sudden, all my moves, all the words, you know, every sort of sales approach Everything that I had, you know, I think a lot of us are reading these books over the years and filling up our shelves and being like, am I ever going to use or need this? And it was like, it was almost like the universe was like, yes. And and I was like I was blown away at how much I had retained from the reading and the experience and how I would go into these huge meetings and I would be completely mortified and I would just nail it. You know what I mean? And then I would walk away and have and, and had made an impact and an impression on some of my sort of like entrepreneurial heroes who then would go and tell someone else like, oh, my God, like, I really, even though, you know, there's like the Shea Moisture drama, Rich Dennis is like, I'm a huge fan of his because I love what he has done with the brand. And, you know, for him to tell someone anything my leak says goes, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like when, when, when people you admire least Surprise, and all these people speak positively about you, that is how you succeed. You know, I have succeeded because they speak highly of me. And so that was the probably most surprising thing of like all of that was not in vain. You know, I think some of us feel like it is. Like I'm showing up at these conferences and events. I'm contacting people. I'm hitting the pavement. I'm reading the books. I'm not going to the parties. You know what I mean? I'm sacrificing my life. And I spent probably just a year being utterly overwhelmed at how much my hard work paid off. You know, I was very dedicated, very serious, very committed. And um, I think a lot of us, you know, we're hustling and we're like, when is my moment? Is it coming? Um, and I think that was my biggest surprise is like, dang, it happened. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like, it's true. It really is true. And if you give it everything you have and you and you hustle and you go
0: hard, you'll have your moment. Right. You can't keep working that hard and not have something come to fruition, right? No, I People all the time. If you wake up
1: like I did for at four a.m. for a decade, something's gotta mm-hmm. get
0: And you're one of the people I think about when I'm attempted to be lazy. Actually, I I'm just like I'm still not there yet. Four a.m. No, not me. But okay, the six a.m. The okay. five a.m.'s when I'm tempted to just snooze. Like you're one of the people I think about. So thank you for that. Now, of course, I'm curious to know what has changed in your approach to your business since you first started. Um, I
1: am probably a bit more like a better delegator, if you will. I used to do a lot of things and now I really have like trust in my team to do those things. So I have gotten so much better at like I needed a contract and an invoice today And like, I used to do those things because I'm like, I can do this, you know? But it's like, I have all these people who are here to help and happy to do it. Let them do work. So I've gotten much better at, you know, passing things on, you know, I have like warehouse managers and people working over there. And typically I pop in, it's like, I'm not a big micromanager, but you have to check on your business. But I didn't go today because I have two offices and I didn't go today because I'm like, I know they're going to handle it. You know what I
0: mean? It's like, I know they're going to handle it, Period. And you touch on this. The whole thing of having a team, somebody this in the side hustle pro community, like, how do you know when it's time to hire, even if it's just a virtual assistant? Do you do that before you make any profit and you know you need to free up your time?
1: Um, I think so. I mean, it's always tricky because I hired a virtual assistant with my first business which was profitable. Like all of my businesses have been profitable. Um, but I wasn't as profitable. So I started off paying just $100 a week, which I think, and that was, you know, several years ago, but I think people are thinking like, Oh my God, I got to come up with 30 or $40,000 salary for somebody to help me or even 20,000. And you really don't. It's like, there are plenty of people who can do things for you so that you can focus on doing what you do. So, you know, that first person that I hired, that virtual person was really there to make sure that things weren't falling through the cracks, because I think that that's what really hurts a lot of young businesses or just sort of young entrepreneurs is that you just don't have your, you're not buttoned up, you know? So it's nice to have somebody who's like kind of sweeping up behind you and just buttoning things up so that you have that you're make constantly, consistently making a good impression, calling people when you're supposed to. So scheduling, sending documents, you know, sending emails, all of those things, things that anyone can do. And from there, the $100 a week freed up my time from like trivial exercises to focus on making more money. So I was making back that for the person who you're giving $400 a week should allow you to make another eight to 1600 by freeing up your time. And that's how you look at it is like, if this person if for $100 a week, I can make an extra five, they're worth it, you know. And that's really just how you have to look at it. And it was just like, I think we started off with just like two hours every morning, like go through, clean up the inbox, check anything that was left from the night before, circle back with anybody who we're holding on to,
0: and then keep it moving. Gotcha, you, gotcha. You. Now that your mm-hmm. time has freed up and you've been able to expand and do different things, you know I've posted about how much I love my hustle journal and <laughs> my IG oh, yeah. stories. Now, tell us about this arm yeah. of your business and the whole "My Taught You" brand. How did that come about?
1: Okay, I I because I was on um, when I was on Housewives several years ago with Kim. People found me on Twitter um, and there is, that's how I sort of got a bit of a Twitter following. And I used to tweet out all my little sort of like hustle, like, you know, this is how I've been like this forever, you know? And so people were like, you need to start a podcast. And this is five years ago. I'm like, what is a podcast, you know? And so they sent me a link and I started a podcast and um I was living alone at the time. And I was like, just starting about to start Curlbox. And I really sort of fell in love with the idea of like, almost like a talk therapy to myself, to my younger self. It was very therapeutic and cathartic for me to do and to really just share my experiences with others. And it started off very small, but every time I would start to like not do it, like weeks would go by, people would start tweeting me like, you know, you need to do something, you need to do another one. And it's like, so the people have held me accountable. And so I have managed to be consistent And through the consistency, I would say maybe three years ago, um, people started finding my work address and started like sending me cards, (laughs) gifts, flowers, checks, money, women, white, black, men, young adults just started to send me so much stuff. I have like a box of cards. I mean, I can't even tell it was mind blowing. Um, people started like mailing me things and I was like, oh my God. I viewed that as like people want to like thank me for this, you know. I I I have done the podcast and the kind of letters that I have gotten about how people's lives had changed. I was like, whoa, you know. So that is when I decided to start my own site. And I was like, how can I exchange with people where they're not just sending me money? You know. What can I give them in exchange for the money? Because I mean, checks, $150, $250. I'm not kidding. People being like, I just want to thank you. I want to tithe to you. It It was crazy. So that is when I said, okay, if I do a website and a store and I'm relaunching my site soon, which I'm excited about. If I do these things, it has to be things that I have used like, want, like, I don't want to sell gimmicky kind of things. And I was like, you know, I really want to do a journal. And so I was doing some research. And then, then I eventually just contacted the company of the journal that I had used throughout my entire career. And so if people really love the hustle journal, it is the exact same journal that I used from like, I would say day one of my professional career until like recently now because i travel so much it's difficult i still love it i love the paper quality i love that you can write it doesn't bleed i love that you mess up you can rip it out and i have like stacks of them i have stacks of them in my in my living room because that is like how i like visually just mapped out my career like everything that i was doing so i did that and then i did the mug because I was like, oh, I love that. People had like reposted that video so many times. And that's really what it what it was. And then people, people really started asking me to speak. And so I did a lot of speaking, but then I got sort of like burned out on that because I just was like, you know, I look at people online today and I'm like, you look at people and you're like, I should be doing what everyone else is doing because if people want to hear me speak, I should speak. And it's like, no, you shouldn't if it doesn't make you feel good or better. And you should choose the things that you want to do or how you want to do things so that you don't like you don't have to sacrifice yourself. Um, You have to figure out a way to do that. So that was like my my big lesson with that. But it is like mind blowing Every time I go places and people like the kind of love <laughs> that people have for me just really just sort of like gets me every time because I tell people when they're like, oh, I know you're tired or, oh, this, you know, I don't want to bother you. And I'm like, I spend a lot of time feeling small and feeling like I had these great big ideas or that I was this really dynamic and special person, but like no one could see me, you know? It was like, I felt like this, the brightest shining star and no one could see me. And so it's like, every time somebody acknowledges me, I'm like, you see me, you see me. (laughs) And there's no greater feeling. So I tell people like, it never gets tired and never gets old, but you know, I think it's more like the wear and tear and the demand on my schedule with the speaking that makes it tough for me because I do still have a very
0: full-time job. Oh, yes. And I'm glad you raised that because, you know, my next question for you was actually, how do you assess what's the right opportunity for your business? And I, there's a lot of noise on social, right? There's a pop-up shop here. There's a this, there's a that. You know, what criteria are you really looking at?
1: You know, I, I always... Felt like when I started this and people come to me all the time telling me what I should be doing. You know, you should be doing this. Everybody's doing this. You, you need to do that. And I really just feel like the minute that you get off of your path of authenticity is the minute that you start to hate whatever it was that you loved doing in the first place. Right. So it's like I really love this. And at the point that I turn it into something that I don't love because I'm chasing every idea and I'm on the heels of everybody, then there's a problem, you know. And so just going, I'm always going to do what feels good. I have to be into it. And I think that I think it's why a lot of people enjoy my content, because I wait until I'm into it. Even with you in this interview, I'm like, you need to do some more interviews you just hang around for a while. Because I'm not going to be connected to things that aren't also authentic or gimmicky or whatever. So that's really sort of my criteria, is just like I do small things because I want to help people sometimes. You know, I think it's important to do those. But I really am like, you know, that's really cool. That feels good. I'm going to do that.
0: No, I really like how you are protector of your time. And I've definitely modeled some of my own practices now after you. Like, I'm always like, hey, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. these are the hours uh-huh. I work. And, you know, I'm taking an X amount of break from these commitments. And it's it's so important to self-care and to just help you focus. Yeah, you know. If you don't set
1: any sort of like limits or boundaries in your life, people will just, they will be there to use you up, you know? And so I think sometimes people are shocked when I'm like, I don't do that. And they're like, <laughs> What do you mean you don't do that? I'm like, this is my deal. I'm 30, I'll be 38 years old on Monday. So I'm a little bit or probably a lot older than most oh people, people think I am. Birthday. I'm not 21. <laughs> Thank you. It's like, I'm not 21. I'm not 29. I'm 30. I'll be 38. And my days of working around the clock for everything, you know, it's like I work a lot, but like, I don't allow the demands, you know, on me after a certain time. It's like, I want to come home. I want to peacefully make my dinner. It's like people, they love me on Snapchat because you know why? Because I'm not allowing people to crowd that space. Like when I get home from work, that's my time, you know? And people will be like, oh, can you can you interview? Can you do, can you do this? Can you do that? And it's like, no, I can't because I dedicate 100% of my workday to people. So from the time I wake up until six o'clock, you got me. After six o'clock, you don't got me no more, you know? It's like, I, I can't have life balance. I can't have a relationship. I can't have friends. I can't talk on the phone. And I used to do that. I used to let people just run me down into the ground. And I didn't talk on the phone to my friends. I wasn't able to have a relationship. I wasn't able to cook healthy meals. Um, And that's just, it's like, if I'm giving everything between, you know, 7 a.m. and and 6 p.m., I deserve the rest of the day. Like, sorry. I respect
0: it. I respect (laughs) it. (laughs) it's not trying to be mean, but that's just my time. Speaking of your time, we are closing down. We're now going to shift to the lightning round. And usually I just, you know, ask similar questions, but this edition is a listener edition. So I asked the Side Hustle Pro community what questions they have for you, Mm -hmm. and we're going to run through those. You ready? Okay, nice. All right, number one. What are your thoughts on taking the leap, quitting your job, even when you think you're not ready, like have an exit strategy and cushion fully established, but you just keep feeling that tug?
1: You know, this is so terrible because I just feel like you have to honor that sometimes. You know, I think that like you feel the tug and what you also can't see when you're trying to prepare to just take the leap is like you'll be shocked at like how much more time you have and how much more you can get done when you're doing things for yourself. You know, it's like when I first jumped and started working, it's like I get up at five o'clock in the morning and just like I was doing like three days worth of work a day. And that's how I started to make more money. You know, it's like you can figure it out. And like I remember my dad telling me he was like, you can always go back and get a job like the jobs are going to be there but i don't think that you're ever going to feel like it's the right time it's you're going to feel guilty there's not a person who has taken the leap that hasn't felt guilty so if you feel it just know that you're in the company (laughs) of all of us that have been like oh my god i cannot believe that i am going to do this but then once you do it it is like the best It's like the grass is greener thing. It's like the grass really is greener. However, you've got to water, cut, (laughs) you've got to split the sun. Like you're going to have to work to make it stay greener. But it is greener on the other side. And even like when I first became an entrepreneur and I took the leap, I didn't make a lot of money. I made maybe like half of my salary before I started working for myself. But I was never happier. So maybe I didn't get that $12 bottle of wine. I had the two-buck chuck but I was happy. Ooh, I was happy. It's like, you don't care as much. You know, it's like I had a little 50 car, but I didn't have to get in traffic with it every day. You know what I mean? It was like, you may not pop off and like have it all popping right away, but you will be happier even if you are making less money. I'm telling you that right now. I needed to hear that personally. (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna be like, girl, I can't go to lunch with you, but you come over because I make spaghetti, and it's, it's still good, you know. But and, and it it just it's freeing, you know. And then you start to figure out ways to make more money, and you have time. But it may be difficult at first. But I think we're so afraid of like, oh my god, I couldn't I couldn't live off thirty thousand dollars. Yes, you can. You can when you're living at home because you're no longer getting gas. You're not commuting. You are no longer buying work clothes. You no longer going to lunch for ten, twelve, fifteen dollars every day. Like you can do it.
0: All right. Number two, how do you stay consistent when it comes to your business? Do you have any tips on your discipline and your productivity?
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, so something that I do is I force myself to uncomfortable places, right? Because you need a little bit of pressure, like you need something on your back to get you up every day. And so I have, you know, I have a home that cost money, you know, I have a car note, I have these things that I have gotten that are like, if I want to continue to have these things, I've got to really work hard for them to maintain them. So every day I wake up saying, completely grateful for this life, but also knowing that like, I have to work for it. And so that is really sort of my attitude about it is like, if you love this and you, if you love this as much as you say you do and get up and get busy. And it was so funny. Like when I bought my house, my wealth manager was like, I hope you never, like, Every day that you wake up in that house, like, you better, like, hit the ground running. And that's really what it is. It's like, do you really love living here? And you have to jump up and you have to do something. And I just think that everybody has to remember that, like, whether you have a job or a side hustle or you're a full on entrepreneur, like, you are a business of one. And this company is relying on you and you have to be its greatest asset. You have to take advantage of all your hours in the day. You have to like make lists, like think about all the things that you need to do and write it out. And you need to be insanely honest with yourself about the things that you suck at. And you need to reach out, respectfully reach out to people who can potentially help you. And that is how I think you stay consistent and on that path every day. And I think, I guess the biggest thing is that When you hit a patch, which I hit a patch this week, you know, it's like, I hit a patch this week. And when I hit a patch is when I like have to really rise up. I do not fall down. Something bad happens and you kind of want to fall apart. Like, oh my God, uh, I cannot believe this is happening. And it's like, do I call and argue with the people? Like you you signed a contract, you committed to this. What do you mean? Or do I dust myself off and say, you know, I understand. I'm not going to make a big fuss out of this. I'm not going to try to like, mediate this, to you, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to move on and fix my problems. And so you just keep it pushing. And I think that that's what you have to do is like, okay, so for the last, I don't know how many, three, four days, Thursday, I, you know, hit a wall, I guess maybe on Monday. And it's like, I just been humping every day. And next week, I know that the problem will be gone because I have put tons of hours into the issue. So that's what I think is that you have to just understand that hurdles are going to come. Jump over them. It's gonna get tough. It's gonna look empty. It's gonna look, it's gonna look barren. Like you're gonna look at the bot. you're gonna open the bag and it's gonna appear empty, but it is not. It's just a deep bag, and you gotta just keep reaching until you get there.
0: All right. Now here's a fun one. Someone asks, What are some of your dinner party favorites? Everyone loves a good dish too. Wow, friends.
1: Okay. Dinner party favorites. Oh. I have a sufficient amount of dinner parties and I would say that people typically, I make these like, what is it, truffle feta carrots and you can Google them, they're skinny taste, but these truffle feta carrots really blow people's minds because people mostly think like carrots are kind of blah but these are like the best carrots you'll ever have. So that's like my main go-to and I do a lot of like grilling because it's so easy to like, everybody's always happy with grilled food, you know? It's like put it on the green egg and call it a day. So that, and I'd probably say I love a decent cheese plate. I think for as, as consistent and timely as I am in my professional life, I'm usually always late with the dinner at a dinner party. So I always have
0: like some nice pre-snacks to buy myself sometimes. <laughs> Good to know. So what is your ultimate career goal?
1: Um, you know, I don't have a, Ultimate career goal, if you will, when I was a young person. I really wanted to do things that were aligned with my passions. I am passionate about Black women. I am passionate about young Black women understanding their purpose, their value, and really having emotional intelligence and really navigating the world in a way that benefits them. I care about Black beauty. You know, I care about Black women feeling like they can have fun with their hair too you know they can shampoo it and smile they can comb it and laugh they can have those sorts of you know bedhead works for us too and so i think that i am so lucky to have the vehicle that i have to to do these passions that i don't you know i'm certain that i will do different things and maybe more things but i am not I'm not pining for any
0: particular thing, you know. Uh, I will see what comes up. Okay. Well, speaking of that, and one thing we didn't talk about was the retreat, but the final question is what's next for my leak? I know that's yeah. coming up, 2018. Yes. Um. What is next for my leak? You know, I went to China, so I was
1: on the quest for just trying to see this this whole massive like manufacturing experience. So... I think that the hope is to sort of like blow some more fresh air into my curl box business and we have skin and body and just try to continue to do things that feel good to women of color, but also continue to work with the industry, which I think we all know is a little bit dated. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's like this waiting game, like, come on, guys. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I'm excited about doing the retreat. I have I think I've got four speakers sign on like they signed on with like a (laughs) hell yes. So that is going to be really good. I'm excited about that. And, you know, people are like you should write a book or you should do these things like continuing to be there for people. You know what I mean? In whatever capacity that they need me to hear that word. That's like I can do it. I should ask for the raise. I do need to work on my value. I, I know I need to start getting up earlier. Like, you know, that's not true. I don't have to pay my mom's bills. You know, all these things I just like sharing. And so I, I'm revamping my website, which I'm excited about, too. Uh I just don't know when I'm going to release it. It's almost finished and it's just so fun. So more podcast interviews. I really love doing my
0: podcast. It is my baby, but that's it. All right. Well, we are excited about all of it. You know, your podcast to many is like the like virtual mentor in our heads. So keep them coming. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. So what's the best way for people to connect with you after this episode?
1: After this episode, you can find me all over social media Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, um, at my myleek, M Y L E I K. I have a Facebook group, which is uh, facebook.com backslash my taught you. And if people people really enjoy sending me questions, they can email me at mytaughtyou at gmail.
0: Okay. I don't know why I didn't know about your Facebook group, but I'm joining it right after this call. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, I need to do a better job. Like I have it because people wanted yeah. to connect there, but I, I need to get more sort of like active. Like I need participants, like people, more people to post, but I think it's just like a page, but I need to get like people also participating okay. and posting things and asking questions, you know? So come ask some questions and let's
0: get let's get involved say no more done yeah. <laughs> yeah bring the people over all right Miley well thank you so much for joining us in the guest okay. chair.
1: thank you so much and congratulations to you on your podcast I see you making thank moves you Um, you were doing a great job keep yes, going thank you
0: so much that means a lot have a good weekend you too bye hey guys thanks for listening to side hustle pro If you want to hear more from me, Head on over to sidehustlepro.co forward slash sidehustlecorner to get my weekly Side Hustle Diaries chronicles about my own journey from passion project to profitable business. And if you want to find me online, I'm at Side Hustle Pro on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Don't forget to join the Side Hustle Pro Facebook community. Go to sidehustlepro.co forward slash mastermind. And as always, if you love the show, do me a favor and subscribe rate, and review on iTunes. Thanks guys. Talk to you next week.